One thing that I'm learning is that mental health and sexual health have a very powerful connection. And at that intersection is where the pillars of stigma reside. So by intervening at that point, you know, we see where sex education has historically just kind of let us down. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy approach to non-monogamy. However, it's important to remember that everyone does it a little bit differently, and the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please be aware that we aren't doctors or therapists. Consult a medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy! Welcome to episode 165. We're Finn and Emma, and today we have an amazing interview with Courtney. He is the founder of Something Positive for Positive People. It is a nonprofit and a podcast. He was also on our Focus Fridays episode 1.4 back in February of 2020, where he focused mostly on talking about sexual health. And this episode, though, he dives into his personal story. Yeah, it's an amazing conversation, and we're super grateful that he came back on to talk with us. Uh, a little bit more about something positive for positive people. As Emma mentioned, it is a nonprofit, it is also a podcast, um, and it is really geared around destigmatizing and really helping anybody who has faced a, uh, an STI diagnosis, or maybe they're with somebody who is, or just, I mean, just the amount of information that he is putting out there in the world and the support he is giving to uh, the community is just incredible. So please take a few minutes if you can head over to our show notes, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Click on the links to get over to his uh, website for something positive for positive people and and send a little love his way and definitely check out his show. Um, it's just, again, it's fantastic work and we're super excited to be putting it out there. Uh, a couple of quick notes about this. Um, normally, when we have somebody on to promote something, whether it's a podcast or a book or whatever they're promoting, we usually have them talk about it in the like towards the end of their interview. Uh, this time, we had Courtney go ahead and do it right at the beginning because, again, it's really powerful. So he's going to describe it way better than what we just did. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we just we wanted to put that out there that we we did that ahead of time because of how meaningful this work is. And we just wanted you all to hear it right away couple other quick things. Emma, what are the other notes? That, <laughs> sorry, I'm just talking and talking. I was just going to say, he does have a squeaky chair, which we tried to fix, but it's not. You might notice well, it's it tough still. to fix his chair for him. Well, I meant the we sound. Sent, we <laughs> sent him some some grease for it. Yeah, sure. Uh, he also mentions H on my chest, which is his Instagram handle. That wasn't clear in the interview, so we wanted to make sure to note that up here at the front. Yeah. And we'll jump into the interview, but first we have a couple of quick announcements. So the first one, uh, we mentioned, well, uh, two two weeks ago, I believe, we interviewed Jeff, who was the director of uh, Romantic Chorus, which is a full-length animated documentary. And uh, we've also had a couple other people on the show who were in the movie. Um, it's fantastic. We're super excited to be putting this out there. That launches this weekend. The premiere is this coming weekend, uh, the weekend, the last weekend in January. And um, so it's a couple of bucks to download it. Again, we're not we're not being um, paid or anything to sponsor this, or we're not sponsoring this. Anyway, there's no money exchanged. I'm all confused. I'm yes. sorry. But the, what we did want to say is, after you watch the movie this weekend, we Emma and I are hosting a Q and A with 
all of the people who are, not all of them, but a lot of the people who are in the movie, the director, the animators, and basically the whole team who helped make it possible. And we're super excited about it. That Q&A is this coming Sunday, January 31st at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, and it is free. So it's open to anybody. It's open to anyone. So first up, Go use the links in the in your podcast player or on our website. Download the movie this weekend. Watch it. It's only a couple dollars. And then on Sunday, come join us for the Q&A on Sunday night. I feel like you just had to say everything I said over. I just summarized it a lot quicker. Because <laughs> I was all over the place. <laughs> but you'll also want to sign up for the Q&A. It is free, but links to sign up are in the show notes as well. Yeah, and we hope to see you there, and we'd love to see you there. Another exciting thing we have going on, which you may have noticed, is Power of Witness. These episodes have been dropping the last couple Fridays, and we have three more that are coming out in the next few Fridays. This is a collaboration with Catherine of Expansive Connection, where we have four couples that have previously been on our show come on and do group coaching with Catherine live on the podcast, and then other people who... We all take turns giving them feedback as well. So this is a very powerful, different style episode that we have than we have done before. And there's six in the series. Three are available already. And if you're wanting to listen to all six of them right now, you can join our Patreon and do that. Or you can wait and they'll come out the next few Fridays to listen. But please, if you have any feedback on those episodes too, this is a new thing that we do, are doing. So we'd love to hear from you and let us know if you like them. Yeah. And Emma mentioned Patreon. We're not going to dive into it here. We just wanted to say a huge, huge, huge thank you to all the Patreon supporters. We're going to talk about what it is in the outro. So if, you, if you're looking for community, stick around until then. But for anybody who is already part of the community, we just wanted to throw a couple of dates out there so you can throw them on your calendar. We got the women's call coming up on February 10th. We got the men's call on the 16th. And we've got our monthly Q&As on the 24th. And we do two of them, one at nine Eastern, one at nine Pacific. And those are really just the general group discussion. Um, so we just, again, wanted to throw those out there so you could throw them on your calendar. And then we have one last final thing our next virtual meet and greet. These are open to anyone. You don't have to be a Patreon member. They're just $10. And our next one is coming up February 20th at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. Again, we'll talk about that a little bit more in the outro, but go to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. You can find links to sign up for the meet and greet, links to sign up for Patreon, find out more information. You can find show notes for all the episodes as well as contact us. So you're going to want to go check out our website. You can do a lot over on that website. Yeah. It's a full feature. <laughs> we hope uh, we hope you enjoy this conversation with Courtney. We hope to see you uh, at the meet and greets and, and the Q&As and all of that stuff. We'll see you hopefully this weekend after the Romantic, Romantic Chorus. Chorus. And uh, enjoy, and we'll see you in the outro. Let's do it for real now. Yeah. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> all right. Well, welcome, welcome back to the show, Courtney. We're super excited to have you here. We've been talking for a few minutes, and... We should have hit record a while ago. So, I know. So you're going to have to repeat some stuff because it's it's all been amazing. But thank you for being here. We're excited to have you back. And just, I know we've said this in the intro. We will have said this in the intro. But Courtney came on back in our Focus Fridays episodes in spring of 2020. And we're super excited to touch base and, and talk further. Yeah, lots changed. And we're happy to have you back. So let's, let's have you uh, introduce yourself, Courtney. And then maybe talk a little bit about what's changed 
uh, with, with your nonprofit, and then we'll jump into your story. I will do my best to keep this as concise as possible. So when we hit like a four minute mark or something, just let me know. I am Courtney Brain, the founder, executive director, and podcast host of Something Positive for Positive People. It is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that provides mental health resources to people who have experienced the trauma of an STI diagnosis. Uh, one of the intentions that we have through the nonprofit organization is to integrate our post-STI diagnosis support resources with STD prevention efforts. So when people receive a positive diagnosis due to what STD prevention efforts are, aka wear a condom uh, and wait till marriage, right? Or um, just be monogamous even. Um, If a person tests positive, that's the cutoff point they feel like they failed or if we go into the more extreme cases they feel like a failure and one thing that i'm learning is that mental health and sexual health have a very powerful connection and at that intersection is where the pillars of stigma reside so by intervening at that point you know we see where Sex education has historically just kind of let us down. It tells us to wear a condom or wait till marriage or both even. And if you don't, you'll get an STD or you'll have a a kid. You'll get someone pregnant, right? And that isn't all sex education is. The more of these interviews that I do, I learned that I learned the importance of sex education from the perspective of the mental health pieces that go along with it, from body autonomy, from learning about consent, from being able to recognize abuse patterns, from being able to set boundaries, being able to say no, and so forth. There's so much more that goes into sex education, where the focus has been for many people that I've talked to on about 10%, which is the scare, the scary stuff. Whereas the other 90 literally teaches you how to manage relationships in a way that you would even be more comfortable with seeking support in the event that you do test positive for an SCI or you are in some kind of an abusive relationship, right? One other interesting thing is that I've found from almost 200 interviews and at this point, thousands of different interactions that I've had with people who are living with herpes is that the CDC doesn't recommend HSV testing because they say that behavior doesn't change if a person knows what their status is. And I have this essentially a database of interviews with people who have tested positive for HSV that says the complete opposite of that. So I'm very interested in at some point being able to challenge that when I have the resources and the um, the, the means of collecting the data that's relevant to match up against what their studies show because I'm seeing something completely different that really warrants the need for mental health resources and support resources for people to be able to have immediately after their uh, STI diagnosis. I mean, speaking in general about herpes here specifically, um, that should be a good stopping point. (laughs) So if y'all got questions or anything, (laughs) otherwise I'll keep going. No, I mean, it's, I mean, the work, like, you know, when we had you on the first time, the work you do is incredible. It's still incredible. And it sounds like you've made a lot of progress. It's, it's, it's been what about, 
it's actually been almost a year since we talked because we recorded the last one in late 2019. Yep, exactly. And so it's it's super exciting to see what you've done. Um, and we're going to put links in the show notes to where people can get over to your website, uh, make donations, and maybe reach out to you if they if they are a resource. You were talking a little bit about um, before we hit record, unfortunately, about the way that you're going about helping people get in touch with resources, therapists, support. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about the network you're building? And just in case maybe somebody's listening who who knows somebody or is somebody that would be a valid or valuable resource in that? Sense? Yeah. Yeah. So originally the plan was to establish a network of therapists, um, sex positive therapists, licensed mental health counselors to be able to speak with people who are living with herpes about their diagnosis um, so that they can therapy them into understanding that it's not all about the herpes and begin to really heal from there. So my goal was to establish this network of, you know, let's say one therapist in each state so that if I had someone that needed therapy in Pennsylvania, I can connect them. Someone in Idaho, I can connect them just because of how licensure works. Um, But now, given where I'm at with this and going into 2021, still being a one man show and with the difficulties of getting funding and having additional resources, I am looking to really just partner with organizations that are already providing mental health services for free so that I can create sort of a pipeline to have like a connection that's already there to where if someone reaches out to me, I'm able to pick up the phone or send the email that initiates the process to immediately get the person that I've spoken to connected with the therapist in a way that doesn't feel like I'm just dismissing them onto someone else, like saying, hey, go call the suicide lifeline, right? Or, hey, go call this organization and they should be able to help you. I want to be able to say, here's who you're talking to. This is how many sessions you have, what as much detail as I can possibly give after a conversation with this person. So that's what I'm working on there. And then I also recognize that not everyone needs therapy or needs a therapist at the point in their diagnosis where they come into contact with me. So I'm also working on sort of a big siblings type thing to where if someone has a shared experience, I can, you know, take a mental check and be like, oh, I know someone who has also experienced pregnancy with HSV. And the question here is like a matter of pregnancy or if someone wants to be uh, put into any of the support groups. I can connect them to someone who's been there, who can speak about their experiences as someone who can relate. So if there's uh, an older gentleman or an older lady um, who is worried about, oh, I'm too old. I can't be in that group. You know, I can say, no, you're not all I want. But at the end of the day, it really helps to be able to connect with and hear from someone who um, is is in like a similar space as you are. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's one of, that's another thing that I'm working on as we go into 2021. So I have definitely been busy <laughs> since our last <laughs> conversation, um, but it's it's that that productive kind of busy. Yeah. yeah, no, it sounds amazing, and it sounds like you have so much to look forward to in 2021 as well. I hope. Yeah, and I would <laughs> just say, like, right, if if somebody's listening who who needs the support or can offer some of those resources, please. Uh, definitely reach out to Courtney, right? And and his email will be in their show notes. If you if you're 
don't want to do that, you can reach out to us and we'll put you in touch. We'll make an introduction. So um, please do that. And we would, yeah, that'd be amazing. And, and then maybe just kind of like tying like into your story, what, what was your motivation for starting the, the nonprofit and the podcast? Yeah. So I've had genital HSV2. Let me rephrase that. I've known I had genital HSV2 for the last eight years now. Um, not sure when I got it, not sure where it came from, but I navigated the space of just living with it, thinking that no one had it and that this was something that was going to always just be a challenge for me in dating. I happened to stumble across a dating site for people with herpes. And from there, I get into contact with all these different herpes groups, social groups, support groups, and my life changed <laughs> to say the least. Uh, it took away a major obstacle for me in dating. And so I'm in that space and I'm like having the time of my life. And I see that there are people who are expressing suicide ideation publicly saying that, you know, this virus was the worst thing that ever happened to them and they're never going to find love. They're going to be alone for the rest of their life. And with all of the talk about suicide and I heard it multiple times, I was just kind of like, Hey, it'll be okay. And this is the worst thing you can say to someone who's, at this point, suicidal. Um, right. I began to have conversations with other people who were at an okay place with their diagnosis and just record it. So it would just be like, hey, you know, all right, how long have you had herpes? When were you diagnosed? What was happening around the time? And so through these interviews, being able to share these directly with the person who is saying, I want to kill myself, has been helpful to them because they can hear from someone who's not at that point in time, a 27, 28-year-old Black man, but someone who more so resonates with them, whether it be a younger white woman, an older Hispanic man, Whatever the case may be, there was something that they could relate to and it offered them perspective beyond their limited uh, range of perspective for themselves, thinking that there's no way they're going to be able to have a, quote, normal life, whatever that is, uh, after having been diagnosed with herpes. So uh, I've had a weird relationship with suicide. Like not that I was ever suicide was suicidal at all, but um I've learned that I'm a survivor of suicide. There have been people around me that have ended their own lives. And so like that's always been like a motivator for me because like I've had family members who would threaten suicide and to know people um, at least in my range or my circle who have completed suicide, you know, at this point I'm like, man, could it have been this? Could it have been the shame of an STI diagnosis or having herpes and then their significant other, you know, not wanting them? What could it have been? If it could have been something like this, then here's me doing my part to make sure that that just might not happen as a result of having this here. And I'll tell you what, like, um, I finally did the big boy thing and I went and opened up a bank account for something positive for positive people. And the teller asked me what the nonprofit was. And I was like, fuck, I got to tell somebody else I have herpes now. So <laughs> I go and I explain to her, I was like, well, um, it's just essentially a suicide prevention resource for people living with herpes. Um, I explained to her, you know, how it started. And she was sitting there and she was, she was still, and she's got her mask on and you can just see her face and like 
she eventually says to me that she remembers when she was young, she had an older cousin who had been diagnosed with herpes and spiraled into this deep depression and ended up killing herself. Now, mind you, this is like, I'm, I'm going to get a checking account, right? A bank account for my nonprofit. And, you know, if this wasn't like a sign that I was at least going in the right direction, like, I don't know what is, but at the end of it, she was like, you know, who knows what could have happened if something like this were to have been available to her right away. And I think that was probably the moment where I, I, cause I, for a while I had this like sense of guilt for wanting to pay myself a salary through my nonprofit for doing what I'm doing. Yes, a lot of time goes into it, but I've always justified like, oh, well, you know, I got a job. I can, I'm working. I can do what I need to do. But there was a brief period where I thought I wasn't about to have no job because I had gotten COVID and working for yourself, you cannot miss work. (laughs) You miss one week of work. It's like, oh, shit. Two weeks of work, okay, this is a setback. Three weeks of work, it's like, fuck, I need to start looking for another job. And that was kind of the point that I hit where it was like, all right, I feel like now the universe is really nudging me into the direction of doing that. And after that conversation, you know, I was like, damn, you know, but I'm I'm helping enough people. And I say enough, like so casually. I'm helping people through using the resources that I have, which you know, I don't have much. Like I've had this laptop for like six years now. I've been, even these headphones, like I just keep trading them in whenever they break. Like I'm doing a lot with a little, but when I had the thought, how many people are not being helped because I don't have the resources necessary to, you know, help more people. I was like, fuck. And then, you know, having that lady share what she shared. So um, it's been very... I've been very just motivated essentially by the universe, just based on these interactions that I have with people that provide me with confirmation that I'm in the right place. I'm where I need to be and doing what needs to be done. And as I go along, shit just kind of works itself out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, that is extremely powerful story. I mean, talk about a sign from the universe, like you said. Yeah. And, and I think too, the the notion that because it's a nonprofit, you're not allowed to make a salary um, or, or to, to make a living, right? Like that's that's not. Right? I mean, you know, that's not what a nonprofit is, right? Like it's, but it's hard, right? You don't you like every dollar you take and put in your pocket is a dollar that's not going to help somebody get um, oh. to get the help that they need. But at the same time, if you're not able to pay yourself, then then that resource goes away completely, right? And so. Like, you know, we're sitting here talking to you. You're not sitting on a yacht somewhere. You're sitting in an apartment, <laughs> right? Like, you're, you're yeah, yeah, I had to turn the TV off early because you saw Call of Duty was playing. I was like, oh, <laughs> shit, I left that up. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're making money playing Call of Duty online to pay for the nonprofit. Oh, so. that would be lovely. <laughs> yeah. But, um, no, I mean, it's, it's amazing work. And I just, you know, for anybody listening, like, seriously think about getting behind this work. And yeah. Um, again, links in all the show notes. Yeah. 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 And so last, so a year ago, roughly actually it was 13 months ago. I was just doing the math. It was last November. It was like almost exactly 13 months ago to the day we drove, we drove through your neck of the woods and we stopped and, and had dinner with you and your partner. And at that point, uh, you were in a monogamous relationship. 
but that does not seem to be the case any longer or or you have shifted your outlook on that and we'd love to maybe dive into that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, dive into that and pick it apart a bit with you. Yeah, so that relationship ended uh actually on Christmas that year. Yeah. Um I in hindsight and after having gone to therapy, of course, uh looking back on the relationship, it was just one of those things where um I I felt like I was grieving the relationship maybe in September and that perhaps there was also a little bit of resentment there throughout because um, it wasn't noticed. <laughs> it's like, I, I don't, I don't really know how to explain it until like we get into more details around the relationship. But ultimately um, what happened was that Courtney wanted to be non-monogamous and Courtney's partner did not want to be non-monogamous. And while this was communicated early on in the relationship, there was no complete honesty between us about what that really looked like. It was more of like a, all right, well, let's, there was just a constant, like, maybe, 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 you know, and I'm like, all right, well, here, you should listen to this podcast or, Hey, how about we read this book together? And there was always this constant resistance to it, but then there would be like a little bit of a carrot dangling that was just like, oh, well, you know, maybe it'll happen. Maybe it, just give it some time. Let me get comfortable with the idea. And then eventually it was just kind of like, hey, do you want to do this or not? And I remember one day she was just like, why don't you just believe me when I say, when I tell you, like, you won't believe what I'm saying. And like, I'm, I've always been the kind of person who like more so judge actions off of rather than words, but being new to the sex positivity space, I'm seeing like, you know, consent, no means no, yes means yes, like believe people when they say what they say. And there was a very conflicting area in my intuition that was like, ah, I don't really believe this shit. But, uh, you know, it's, and I hate to use this example because it's really sexist, but like when you ask, I don't know if y'all have, have this, but when you ask like, hey, what do you want for dinner? Are you able to decide right away like hey this is what i want or are you able to agree right away where or is it kind of like hey we're having chinese for dinner and then you can just say no i don't want that i want this instead there was never that it was always like hey how do you do you want to have this conversation what does this look like where are we going with this and it was just like believe me just believe me when i say that this is what i want or like i want to do it eventually it'll happen and then you know christmas came and it was just like this ain't happening. How, how long was that relationship? Just out of curiosity. Ooh, two and a half years. Okay. So it, it was a while. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. yeah. And so, um, and I remember like about three months in to dating was when I mentioned it. And it was just like, um, th that's kind of where that was probably when, with the reaction that I got, I should have known, okay, this will not ever get to that point, And we could have ended it there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm curious. And it, so what it sounds kind of like is there was two things happening, right? You thought like, well, I'll bring it up periodically. I don't know what the time frame, you know, monthly, every three months and hopes that like she gets the picture. And then her strategy was like, if I just keep kind of ignoring it, but also entertaining, you know, like entertaining it enough when he brings it up that he believes that I'm interested or that it could happen. And then it'll, it'll go away for a while and we don't have to worry. Like it was sort of like this 
this rain cloud hanging over your relationship that neither of you really wanted to address because probably there was enough good in the relationship that you're like, well, I don't want to blow this shit up just because of this desire. But it ultimately got to that point. Well, I wasn't saying it's also extremely common. Yeah, no, that, I wasn't that making, happens yeah. in relationships. This, you're the only one who this has ever <laughs> happened to, Courtney. Yeah, and you know, I've been very transparent about that as well, um, and just not necessarily nagging, but perhaps on her end, it could have been perceived as nagging. But it was like, hey, you know, just like you want a family, you want kids, this is all important to you. It's okay for us not to talk about those things. And it's just expected. I'm coming into this relationship saying clearly, hey, this is what I would like in our relationship. And for it to just be like, no, we're not going to talk about that. Like, that's kind of how I felt about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just out of curiosity, what if you were to do this again, what would you do differently? Like having gone through it for roughly two years of trying and trying and trying. Yeah. Like it How sounds like you your strategy it? didn't work very well, not right. to like call, call you out on it. Right. But like, what would you do differently? Like if you were to go back in time and give it another try? I think that one thing that I would do different. Well, now knowing that, and I'm at a place now where it's like, I'm okay with not being uh, non-monogamous or being monogamous. It really just depends on the relationship. Um, but early in that point, I had been around or with non-monogamous people or had been friends with them. And I've seen just the communication in their relationships, the transparency that they have with one another. And again, just the honesty and the communication that was there. And I was like, damn, I want that in whatever relationship it is that I have. And I made a commitment to myself. I was like, okay, the next relationship that I go into and get in, I am going to be the best boyfriend ever. Like I, it's going to be healthy. It's going to be honest. It's going to be transparent because I've not been honest in the past, in past relationships. I've not been a great boyfriend friend in past relationships so she just she was at the right place at the right time to where she got the best of Courtney uh at that point and so what I would do different is listen to the signs you know and call out the wording and be able to communicate like hey here's me putting on the table what I want and you're giving me mixed signals. You're showing me that you're okay with, or I'm sorry, you're showing me that you're not okay with this. You're telling me that you are okay with this. And I don't know what to go off of because of the inconsistencies and just like address it. There was no directness. There was no direct communication there outside of me being like, Hey, I want non-monogamy. But when you say that to someone who's probably never even heard the word before, you know, that could be something that, they respond to a number of different ways. And in her case, it was with a lot of avoidance and in, in, from what I received and what I picked up, it was just like, oh, maybe this shit will just go away over time, like as the relationship continues. But all I think that did was just kind of have me like, all right, well, when are we going to address this thing? Like I can't further invest until we resolve the issue that, has been presented early on. So I guess looking back, it would just be a matter of being more direct and like not allowing us to continue to move forward in a serious relationship where this thing just kind of gets swept under the rug on one party by one party. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Had you in those conversations, had you even gotten to the point where you expressed like what 
non-monogamy would look like, like what you were interested in doing in terms of non-monogamy? Because, right, it's a it's a pretty big spectrum. Right. Yeah. So just negotiating, even in the negotiations process of just saying, hey, well, what what's comfortable for you? Because for me, I think that because I had been around other people who were in polyamorous relationships or uh, in just an open relationship, don't ask, don't tell. It's like I had the terminology. I had the experiences to call from, whereas to her, it was just a lot of just monogamous relationships that she had seen, you know, whether successful or not successful, whether there were divorces or breakups, this was what she knew and what she was comfortable with. Whereas for me, I was just kind of like, all right, well, that shit didn't work for me. Like, (laughs) and I know that it hasn't worked for me. So I want to try, this is what I want to try. And I want to co-create this relationship with you. So it was very, I am offering the opportunity for us to really co-create what our relationship looks like, even as we bring other people into it. So like, what are you comfortable with? So it was really just a lot of question asking. And again, it wasn't me being direct and saying, I want to be able to have multiple relationships or I want to be able to have casual sex partners. There was none of that. So yeah. And in hindsight, it, again, it's just the challenge of, being direct about what I want rather than doing this thing where I kind of tiptoe around, okay, well, maybe if I let her take the lead, this will be something that she's comfortable with. Yeah. Yeah. And this was like, you had said, correct me if I'm wrong, um, that this was your first like foray into experimenting with non-monogamy. Like you had been around it, had been, had met people, but you hadn't actually had that type of relationship before. Not a, and I don't know what kind of relationship to call it. I guess not a, a committed relationship, I guess. I've had casual relationships with people who are or were at that point in time non-monogamous. Um, and those were those were pleasant, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was like, okay, well, what would this look like being able to have someone that you're co-creating a future with while still being able to have other partners? that you have whatever the connection is, you're free to explore those. So this was the first relationship that looked like that. Like other relationships, it'd be, all right, I'm staying the night or um, we leave whenever we're at the end of the night, whenever we're done hanging out or having sex, hooking up, whatever. But this was the first relationship where I lived with someone and we were you know, talking about being together long-term and trying to explore non-monogamy. So yes, this was the first time. Yeah. 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 And, and so what, so on Christmas you end, you end the relationship. What, what happens after that point? So after that, I was like relieved, but still like a little bit confused because I, I felt used by the situation, um, just because of the timing at that point in time, like my partner had finished with her getting her degree and being able to go and get her job. So it was like we were living together. And once that happened, it's almost like she was waiting for that. That's how I felt. So I felt like, OK, well, now that you're done, you just don't need me anymore. So you, it's easy for you to just say, all right, that's it. Cutting ties. We're out of here. And so I was like, oh, and it, it took for other people to say it after I told them, yeah, we broke up. And they'd be like, damn, that's fucked up. She used you like that. And I heard it twice. When I heard it twice, I was like, 
damn, there must be something there. And so <laughs> there, there was like anger. There, there still may be a little bit of anger there, but um, I acknowledge it now and I'm aware of, you know, how it was that I felt throughout the course of that relationship ending. But um, I definitely felt a sense of relief more than anything. It was just like that thing that I had been questioning and couldn't get resolved had finally been resolved. And so um, there was just like a newfound sense of freedom to be myself rather than having my identity tied into being the best boyfriend that I could possibly be, you know, even if that was like a covert way of trying to get what I wanted out of this relationship or trying to get the kind of relationship that I wanted out of this person who didn't want this kind of relationship. So I was freed up to just be me and figure out what that looked like. So after the breakup, I allowed myself a few months, three, four months to just not date, not do anything. But Someone popped up out of the blue, very surprisingly. This was a huge surprise. I met someone at uh, a sexual health conference and we had connected and um, she let me know that she was a lesbian. I'm sorry. She said, I'm gay. That's what she said. And so I was like, oh, okay. Never didn't think anything of it and just like didn't hit on her. We just like conversed um, at the conference. We ate dinner. It was like a small group of us. And I went on my way. Like we exchanged Instagram accounts. And uh, I mentioned to her because she was I don't know how we got on relationships. I was like, yeah, I'm in a relationship. And at this point, like we were trying to experiment with non-monogamy. So I wasn't able to do anything and I made sure to like communicate that but we ended up having a conversation and she had said something I wish I remember what it was but um it was some kind of joke about eating ass and I I was like she just flirted with me and I, I just couldn't I, I couldn't I didn't think anything of it because she had said to me uh, I'm gay it's like okay so uh <laughs> yeah but ash is ass man I, I did, yeah, ass. you know yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but like, and I guess this is just me, like being a straight dude. Like, a straight dude hears woman say, "I am gay." You know, it's implied. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't like men. You don't like me. So no, I, I just to be clear, I'm completely on board with you. I was just giving you shit. Like, if, if somebody if somebody told me that, I'd be like. Yeah, we can be friends and nothing more. Because like, you you want to respect that person, right? Like, yes. you're you're not going to sit there and be like. Well, you just maybe this one time you want a man, right? Like you don't want to be that guy, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And so um, after the breakup, I don't know what happened. I didn't tell anybody. I never announced it or anything. Like I just, it happened and I just continued to operate as if nothing happened. And we ended up talking. She was like, oh, how was Christmas? And I was like, well, <laughs> since you asked. <laughs> and I told her, um, you know, I, my partner and I broke up. It just, it just wasn't there. We didn't click on these levels and you know, I'm okay. I'm giving myself a little bit of time to just like be okay or like not date until I'm in a, a healthy headspace or whatever. And then one day out the blue, she was just like, well, you know, Hey, if you ever want uh, to ha- hang out or like, what did she say? It was, it was worded to where I was like, huh? 
I think it was like, <laughs> if you ever want some intimacy or something like that. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> so we're talking about like uh, her sexuality. And she was just like, well, it's just been, it's been a long time since I had sex with uh, a man. And she's like, I feel safe around, safe with you. Um, and I had to let her know. I was like, well, you may not know this about me, but I do have herpes. And so this was like my first disclosure after uh, my breakup. And she was like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm aware of that because she was at a sexual health conference. Right. So um, we talked about, you know, getting tested and hanging out, seeing each other. And that worked out. We uh, I think that might have been like in January, actually. It was it was fairly soon after, but it was like a healthy rebound and like the process of talking through negotiations, STI testing and feeling safe. And all of that went very smoothly. And that was just like, that was my, that was such a welcoming experience for me coming out of a long-term relationship, being able to go into such a healthy, casual style of a relationship. So um, after that, COVID happened. <laughs> yeah, that, yep. that's, that's, we can. I saw that coming at some point. I was like, yeah. "You've got to mention it. it's coming up soon." And I was, and I was going to say, just so anybody's clear, because I think this is uh, your listeners probably listening to this in February of 2021, thinking like, "How did you go to conferences and do all this?" So this was oh, yeah, late yeah. 20, late 2019, early 2020. This was before. This is in COVID. the before times. So yeah, this was back when the world was right. Oh yeah, right. So, um, yeah. And even going into COVID, like identifying as a non-monogamous person, um, right before lockdown hit, I met a couple of people, um, and then everyone had to go into fucking lockdown. So it was just, it was just weird. Like, I can't say that I've really had a chance to, um, fully explore non-monogamy. Um, I'm seeing someone now and we have an open relationship, um, and yeah, there's, there's, if, do you have questions or anything before like I transition, I guess, to that part? Cause yes, I've been dating during the pandemic, like a lot of people probably wouldn't admit to doing, but I mean, what, I'm not, I'm not about to just stay locked down for it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think, no, I, I think that's awesome that you do admit it. And then like, maybe we would love to hear, I guess, how you go about yeah, that. how you do it. Cause you like, clearly you are a conscientious intelligent, safety focused person. So my guess is, and I could be totally wrong and this could bite me in the ass. You're not just out there willy nilly doing whatever, whenever, however, and don't give a shit about COVID. Like that, yeah, something I, tells me that's not you. Yeah. This shit doesn't exist. No, I'm kidding. No, 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh, no I'm, I'm operating in a very respectful way. Um, I, met there were two people I met right before the pandemic hit and with one of them uh she ended up leaving probably a few weeks into it and quarantining in another state we've kept in touch like we still uh we still have an existing relationship and then with someone else we became like regular we hang out regularly um so there was no I mean I, I haven't been like seeing a bunch of people at all. Like I've been, I'm where I am. I have my partner that I have and there's not really anyone new that's been in the picture. Um, 
There was a situation though. <laughs> <It> went, <laughs> um, I'm ready for a story. This is going to be a story. <laughs> yeah. So when the world opened back up, I guess we can say, uh, I think it was in, it was in July. So we just had to wear masks wherever we went or whatever. And um, there was, uh, I went to uh, one of my, like, there's herpes support group meetings um, and social groups. And so I went to one of those uh, I'm often putting on like fundraisers for the groups or at the groups. Let me say that it, I, I'm given a specific amount of time to share, you know, what something positive for positive people is, get donations, blah, blah, blah. So at one of these, I very unexpectedly end up hooking up with someone. And this was a, this was probably my worst performance and I didn't know what the fuck happened. Like mid sex, I got soft and didn't know what happened. Maybe it was the tequila. Don't know. So Sunday, Monday rolls around and I recognize like over the course of the weekend, I was doing some drinking. So I wasn't, I was dehydrated. So I wasn't like urinating a lot and I went to pee and I was like peeing really, really slowly. And so I also had like pain in my ass, like prostate pain. So I go in uh, Google and I'm like, okay, what does this mean? What does this mean? And it's like, you could have a UTI, which is rare for men and requires like these treatments, or you could have prostate cancer. So I was like, all right, going to urgent care. <laughs> so I uh, I go into urgent care and I let them know like what my symptoms are and everything. And they have, um, they ask me, they like, they go, are you concerned about STIs at all? And I was like, well, no, I just got test results in two weeks ago and I've only been sexually active unprotected with one person. So I'm not, but treat me accordingly. And so they gave me uh the medication for chlamydia and gonorrhea. And they told me that my UTI test results came back negative. And then uh, when I mentioned the pain in my butt, the lady put her finger in my butt. Yeah. So she, uh, I, I had, my prostate was inflamed and it was swollen. So when she touched it, it was, it was, I was like, ow. And so, um, she wraps up and she discharges me with prostatitis, sends me home with the prescription, tells me, oh, you have prostatitis. And I leave the I leave there and I'm like, yeah, I'm great. I only have prostatitis. So this is on a Tuesday, uh, Tuesday after my weekend where I had my hookup um, and the hookup was protected. Um, and so Wednesday goes by, Thursday goes by. Like Thursday evening, I saw my partner that I have unprotected sex with and we had sex again, unprotected. And so on Sunday, mind you, I'm discharged with prostatitis and my symptoms were slow pee, right? And swollen prostate. Uh, Sunday, I'm supposed to go to the gun range with my dad. A thing that I never do. I don't even like guns, but it's just like bonding time with dad, right? So Sunday morning before I'm calling my dad, I get a num a call from a phone number and I answer. And they're like, hey, is this Courtney? I was like, yep. He's like, can you verify your date of birth or something like that? And I told him. And he goes, all right, we got your uh, STI results in. You tested negative for gonorrhea. And then he pauses <laughs> and goes, you, your chlamydia test came back positive. And I was just like, how long are you guys open today? And he was like, until eight o'clock. I was like, all right, click, hung up the phone. And I'm like, I'm 
I'm kind I'm embarrassed and I'm angry. I'm embarrassed because I now have to tell two people. I like not the person that I had sex with unprotected. Like that's not an embarrassing conversation, but the person that I hooked up with. But I'm also like, oh, the prostatitis chlamydia symptoms are erectile dysfunction. I was like, oh, cool. So I have like a justification for that. Yay. And not just that I was, you know, had tequila, right? Because I think that was probably the most painful part of it. it was like, oh my God, how did this happen? So I um I go back to the urgent care and we've got masks on. It's July, right? And the lady asks, hey, what are you here for? And I say very loudly because I'm fucking furious and no one told me that this might have been chlamydia. And I go, I need to get retreated for chlamydia. And she goes, you can see her eyes just get huge, like, <laughs> like that, <laughs> uh, behind her mask. And so they take me in the back. And um, the lady that comes to treat me, <clears throat> she's looking at my chart and she goes, Hey, so it looks like I just side eye and I go, I would have reinfected myself because I had no idea that this might have been chlamydia due to me being charged, discharged with prostatitis. She goes, oh, OK. And says something about like not wanting to give me too much of a dosage or something. I don't remember. But I had to let her know, like, I would have reinfected myself. So please give me the medication. Um, I get the medication and I'm sent on my way, told not to have sex for a week. And so I left there very bothered at the fact that I was treated for chlamydia twice in a few days. No one had a conversation with me about sexual health, sex education. The, the thing that I was told was don't have sex for a week. That was it. And the fact that it seemed like no one wanted to tell me, and I found this out later, that prostatitis is caused by chlamydia. So if I had prostatitis, it would have been nice to have known that chlamydia caused it. Because when I asked what causes prostatitis, like, what is that? What, is, what does it mean? He's like, oh, well, sometimes it just happens. Like, that's fucking bullshit. Like, you could have just told me that I had chlamydia. And so now, like, I'm angry at the fact that when that annual STD report for 2020 comes out and it talks about how high the rates of STDs were during COVID, I'm going to be responsible for two of those cases because of just like an inability or unwillingness of the healthcare providers who have talked to me about sexual health. Now, granted, um, the first time obviously happened, but now it's two. And then there's an entire story behind this of just not being told, hey, you might have chlamydia, perhaps don't have sex for a week, let your partners know. Because when I left, I was like, yeah, when I was peeing and it was coming out slow, I actually had chlamydia because it wasn't like it burned. I didn't have blood. I didn't have discharge. I didn't have any of the symptoms that I expected. It was just slow flow of urination. And so, and I had to find out on my own that chlamydia caused prostatitis. So like since then, I think I've been on more of a personal vendetta for better healthcare treatment and like uh, finding organizations that provide STI testing in a way that is free of shame, that there's open dialogue where, you know, we can talk about like, hey, okay, you got chlamydia. Uh, we gotta, we're going to do an oral swab as well because, yeah, I had chlamydia uh, generally, but like they could have tested it orally as well. And so um, now that I've had that experience to compare to more positive uh, sexual health clinic experiences. Like I know what my standards are and I know that 
those standards really need to be upheld by everybody. Like I want to create some kind of a directory and here's me doing another thing for something positive for positive people where people can find sex positive places for them to go and get tested and treated for SCIs and get free condoms and get additional sex education resources that they need and feel free to ask any types of questions from places that are identity affirming, shame free, sex positive, all in one. Right. Yeah. I just wanted to pause and say thank you for sharing that story because I know it's probably not an easy one to go through, even though you seemed to, um, I guess, to to relay it well. But it's powerful, and it just to have someone explain what you went through in such detail. I just wanted to thank you for doing that. Oh, I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, and I, I think too, like, I just like I feel like you've got like the worst damn luck. <laughs> Like in some sense, like, right. Like, right. Like you, you've, you've, you've been living with herpes for eight years and you've sort of got the communication around that figured out, right? Like when you were with your partner for two and a half years, you hadn't had to disclose really right with her. Like you disclosed, I'm assuming at the beginning and she knew, but then it was sort of two and a half years of, you don't have to talk about it with new partners and not that you don't talk about it, but you didn't have to talk about it with new partners. Yeah. That's a different way of having that conversation for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and then you, then you, you end that relationship or that relationship ends and now you're back out in sort of the dating world and you're starting to have that conversation again. And it sounds like it went, I mean, it went well enough, right? It went well with the the woman who identified as gay. And then you had a couple other partners going into COVID, but then like, now you've got to deal with like communicating herpes, uh, a pandemic, and COVID, and then chlamydia twice, like all in a very, very short period and of let time. Let me tell you the worst part of that. So my partner who went to quarantine in another state, she was back in town that like over the course, had I only been treated for chlamydia once, we would have been clear to have had sex. But because I had to get treated on a Sunday, we were in that one week window. And yeah, I probably could have wore a condom, but like they, they said, don't have sex. So I was like, hey, I can't have sex. So I had to tell her because she was in town. She was like, hey, you know, I can come over. It's like, uh, I got to tell you, um, I got chlamydia uh, last week and here's what happened. So I had to tell her that same story. And so, um, yeah, it was just like fuck now there's a third person so for the woman that i uh i had hooked up with over the weekend uh i don't honestly i don't even know if she had it but i ended up letting her know what happened and that was hard because i was like fuck the first time we had sex i gotta tell you i had chlamydia so um i ended up ordering her an uh online at home sci test kit and it was just like hey you know buy it and i'll pay for it sorry and i thought that that was like a good thing to do um, as far as like being a good, not boyfriend, but just like person. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, she was, cool can, can we, it. can we ask how that conversation? Yeah. Sorry. I'm, yeah. I'm gonna jump it was through it. fucking weird. I was just like, cause she had texted me cause we just had this cool weekend together and everything. And I'm just like, all right. Hey, I had to cut it off. Like, because we're just making like fun, flirty, small talk. And I was just like, Hey, I need to tell you this now because it's not going to be a better time to tell you. Uh, you remember over the weekend? Well, I didn't say it like that. I think it was just like, 
I tested positive for chlamydia over the weekend, and we just had conversations about what we did and, you know, how she may have been at risk, if she were at risk, like um, uh, with oral sex having been um, a possible way of transmission. We did wear a condom for intercourse, um, and we just we talked through it, you know, like normal I guess normal conversation would go, but there was not any like anger or shame or anything like you would expect for there to be. Um, Mm -hmm. And there was no blame. I guess it's, you know, something that just fucking happens, I guess. But yeah, it was just like, we were texting about it and it was just a matter of like a four to five text exchange. And then it was over with and then we were back to uh, normal conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds like it, it, I guess it went fairly well for, for uh, having a challenging conversation like that. Yeah. And um, I think the big thing that I learned from that, because uh, the partner that, and we, we know where it came from, um, the partner that I had been with unprotected, uh, it gave me the foundation for a boundary because I remember I knew that she had other partners and I was just like one night we were talking and she said something about him, about one of her partners specifically that made me think that doesn't sound like a very healthy relationship. Cause she talked about her other partner very, in a very positive way. Um, and I was like, Oh, cool. I like the guy. And then with the other one, I didn't hear much about him. I just knew she really liked him. And then this one night, I don't know what she said, but it set off my red flag radar. And when it set off my red flag radar at that point, it was too late because it was just like a couple of days before I had, uh, had left for the event. And so, you know, looking back, it was like, all right, I don't think that I should, you know, be in relationships at least or committed relationships or relationships where we don't wear condoms because we had been using condoms for, at months at that point before we decided to go without condoms. And so it was like, all right, well, you don't have symptoms. And this is another testament to that. Like just because someone doesn't have symptoms doesn't mean they don't have an SCI. So it's very important to get tested. If you're seeing multiple people, like get tested regularly. So for me, I made it a point to get tested every three months. Um, and if I have new partners, you know, if that's something that we discuss about, uh, making sure that we have our latest STI results prior to moving forward, then that's something that I'm willing to do. But uh, my partner at that point in time, she didn't have any symptoms for anything. And I know I trust her to have told me if she had had any symptoms. So uh, it turned out that she was positive for chlamydia, got tested, got treated, let her partners know. Um, And my boundary at that point had become, you know, anyone who like, I don't want to, and there's not really a way of measuring this outside of asking questions, but like your other partners, if they don't treat you with respect or like if they, the thing that set off my red flag radar was just something that she said, he said to her that made me go, that doesn't sound like a healthy thing. Like it has to be healthy relationships in order for me to proceed in that way. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, no for it sure. makes a lot of sense. And, and Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. I was just going to say, thank you again for sharing yeah. all of that. And I just, I don't want to like keep beating this to death because I'm just curious. So like you, you'd said you and this partner had had sex for a couple of weeks or a month or two. Um, and you would always use protection. And then was it like this one time you just, you decided like, okay, we're not going to use protection 
and you did, and then you went to the, so it was like the one time you didn't, it happened. No, it wasn't the one time. Um, cause there were lots of times. Uh, so for two months, I believe it was about two months we were using condoms and then we went without condoms, uh, after a conversation of just like, you know, Hey, you know, we've been doing this for a while. Like you're the most consistent person that I'm having sex with. Like, you would be the person that I'm not wearing condoms with. And so the conversation kind of went like that. Like when was the last time you were tested? We, we had this conversation that she didn't have symptoms and her testing window, uh, I believe was recent enough for me to have been comfortable with. So that was when we decided to I gotcha. go without <clears throat> wearing condoms. Um, I gotcha. I thought it was like the one time you decided not to. Oh. <laughs> and then, and then it happened that twice in a row. I was gonna be like, dude, don't ever go to a yeah. casino and don't ever buy a lottery ticket because you're not you're not gonna win. <laughs> oh. But yeah, like that, that I think that that boundary was important for me to have come up with early as well. Um, it's because like, and there's like some metaphysical shit there as well. You know, like you're absorbing that energy of other people as well. If it's like negative or if there's ill intent, and it really makes you look at how a partner allows for themselves to be treated by other people. And then it also gives you an idea of how they're going to treat you in a relationship. So not to say that every relationship that I have, like has to be a serious one or has to be where all of their partners treat them with dignity and respect. Like, unfortunately that's my standard, which is above the average standard from other conversations that I've had. Like some people like the toxicity, so people like the the chemistry, the chaos, the drama. And I understand that and I respect that for them. I can't be a part of that shit. <laughs> like that's that's right. just where I'm at in life right now. Yeah. 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 Well, I, there's so many more questions and places we could go. But I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about kind of where you're at now in relationship wise and where you hope to go, unless you had other questions around. No, I think that's a good place. Cause I, I had a couple other questions, but we can touch on them. Let, let, I, yeah. I think hearing, yeah. Like Emma asked, like, like what does it look like now? Cause that was July and the world has gone in and out of lockdowns. I don't know. Yeah. And it's yeah. Um, so right now what it looks like, is just like um, the relationships are, what they are <laughs> like um, I don't have new I don't have any new partners um, so the same two that I've had at the beginning of the pandemic these are people that um, I still see when I can see them um, the one consistent partner is still there and um, that's that's my dating life right now a lot of interactions and meeting people of course have been online like I am open about having herpes. I'm a man open about having herpes. Um, and so that warrants a lot of attention, I guess, like being one of the few men in this primarily women dominated space, like I'm out there. And so like I connect with women or meet women that way and through just being open about it and like it invites conversations and there's oftentimes like some attraction and I, I've learned that like I fall in love way too damn easy <laughs> like, <or> like <laughs> someone uh maybe not fall in love but I think that I experience attraction very easily when someone expresses genuine interest in me or like about you know what it is I got going on like I think I mistake 
curiosity for or mutual passion for attraction. And so that's kind of been an ongoing thing for me. Like I'll look up and, you know, I'll express to someone like, hey, I'm open to connecting and getting to know each other more. And then like time passes and I realize, oh, this person may not actually see me or they're dating H on my chest or this is who they're looking to date and not really get to know Courtney or they think they know me based on what I post on Instagram or social media. And so like there have been a lot of challenges from that perspective. And another big one that I see, um, especially with online dating, um, because that's the intention, right? You want to date and meet people online is um, given all of the uncertainty with COVID, like there's a lot of uncertainty in areas where we seek certainty. I hope that I'm, making that make sense but like um people are seeking certainty in such a time of uncertainty so Mm -hmm. i had an interaction with someone who um we had been messaging for a while and like getting to know each other and it seemed like we were on the same page and again like i said i fall in love real easily (laughs) right and so there came a point where it was like uh what did she say i wish i could remember like verbatim I could open my phone, but then I have to scroll through the messages. Um, it was like, this seems great. Like the chemistry's there. There's like excitement and this intensity. But then there was like an ask for guarantees that just can't be made right now. So like, you know, realistically, when could we actually see each other? If we saw each other, like these long these are long-term goals and expectations that i have and i i I find myself coming across that pretty frequently and like for me i can't tell you what's going to happen over the next three days for me because of the uncertainty in the air like at any given moment i could be offered an opportunity to work for the cdc you know (laughs) you know earlier in the episode i talked about like having data to pin up against what it is that they're saying but like I don't know what my future looks like. So when it comes to dating, like I have to be very transparent about that. Like, I don't know if I'm going to be here, if I'm going to be somewhere else, but I know like, I I, I can't quite say what I want and I can definitely tell you what I need. I can tell you that I need transparency. I need consistency and I need maturity when it comes to um, navigating relationships and the types of communication that I need. But as far as what I want, like that's really something that I, I know for a fact that I want to be free to be myself in a relationship, whatever that may look like. And I have this belief that perhaps non-monogamy has offered me this sense of freedom, but then perhaps there can be the experience of freedom demonstrated by a partner in a way that I just haven't experienced before. It's like I mentioned, um, I don't know if I mentioned that earlier, but with my past partner that I was with for two and a half years, you know, I never felt seen in the moment by her. It was always like, you're going to be such a great dad or you're going to be such a great husband or you're going to be such a great blah, blah, blah. And it was just like, damn, do you see me now? Like, I remember having that moment in the kitchen, like doing that. I was like, do you see me now? Like, (laughs) I've got, you know, where this something positive for positive people is, you know, now clearly isn't where it was at that point in time. But like, even among the chaos, like where was the, hey, you're doing a great job now. 
Like I see you as Courtney now. And that's something that I've lacked in relationships. So when I even get glimpses of that in online dating, that's the kind of shit that makes me like, oh, I'm, I'm falling for you. <laughs> and I get all Google. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I'm, yeah, I'm aware of that now. So I, I'm, yeah. I'm much more aware so I can manage it a little bit better. <laughs> yeah. Well, it gets to the core of what we all want, right, is to be, to be seen and, and heard and, and loved and understood and well, and understood and loved anyway. <laughs> yeah. What were you going to say? Well, I was curious. So you've talked about, you know, dating and non-monogamy and you found non-monogamous relationships and partners, but you don't like you, you mentioned way early on that you, there are like dating sites for people who have STIs, but I'm assuming, and again, I don't know this for sure that you don't, you don't now have to like niche down and be like, well, now I need the non-monogamous dating site for people with herpes. Like you, you aren't like having to find these like niche corners of the internet. Right. Right. So that was what I felt like early on. Like I felt like I needed to find that because it just seemed like no one had herpes or no one would be okay with it until I began to challenge that until I began to look for other opportunities or look for opportunities to just meet people and meet people through my own interests. Right. I didn't have anything to challenge my own beliefs about what it meant to navigate the world with herpes until that point in time. So now what I'm saying is just the importance of being able to put myself out there. And like, I encourage other people to do that too. Like you don't have to tell the world you have herpes, but just like, don't hide because you have herpes. Don't hide because you have HIV. Don't hide because you have, you know, what may seem to you like something that's a deal breaker to everyone because your person, your people are either going to have it too, or they're going to be okay with the fact that you have it. It's it's as simple as that. Yeah. And so moral of the story is you can be on the Tinders and Bumbles and Fields and whatever other dating apps are out there. You don't have to retreat to the the ones that are specific for. Right. So be kind of honest about who you are. Yeah. And I mean, even on there, like I always say, dating with herpes is just like dating. You're still going to run into douchebags. You're still going to run into people ghosting. You're still going to run into people who are just looking for the next best thing and don't know what they want. Like all of that is going to be there. And then you just, you might have to disclose that you have herpes or it might not even come up. Like you might experience any of these things before you even get to the point of disclosing your STI status. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So my, unless you have another question, Emma. Go for it. I was, I had a really good one. Okay. I'm humble though. I'm humble about it. So, so Courtney now three and a half years ago started his first conversation of, I want a non-monogamous relationship and it went poorly rough for roughly two and a half years. And now you've been doing it about a year, um, somewhat successfully. You've, you've had multiple relationships, multiple concurrent relationships. How do you feel that you've grown in your ability to communicate and navigate this since the first time you told your first partner to, to today? Good question. I know. That's a very good question. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Nailed it. The, the You're humble too. Like understanding the way 
that I choose to communicate being, you know, what those needs are, transparency, maturity, and consistency. You know, it's important for me to honor those relationship values that I have and use those to sort of uh, to, to serve as boundaries, so to speak, so that people understand, OK, well, here's how we can build trust. Here's how we can get closer. Here's how we can better connect by you showing me that you can respect and honor these boundaries and for me to be able to uphold these boundaries. Like, this is what I can give to you and this is what I expect in return or this is what I would like in return. And, you know, it it lets me know based on your ability to honor those values if you're someone who I want to invite closer into my life. Um, Being able to articulate exactly what my needs are has been a thing Um, and just say, like, okay, here's what the relationship looks like on my end because I haven't been able to do that before. Like I haven't been able to just say, here's what our relationships, here's what I would like for our relationship to look like. And after, you know, all the trial and error, (laughs) here I am now, you know, at a point where I'm able to articulate to someone more directly, Hey, here's what I would like. And it may not be, you know, in the best wording, but, I at least have the know-how to just initiate the conversation and I can stumble my way through saying, hey, I like you. I want to connect more with you. What do you think of that? And I mean, the other person is going to be with it or they're not going to be with it. And if they are with it, it could get to the point of where I'm hoping that it does. It could go beyond that and it could also fall short. So I am more okay with accepting the outcomes and trying to force any kind of change at all. Or like, like that's what I felt like I was doing in my last relationship was like, I was trying to convince someone that I was worth being non-monogamous for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it makes sense. It does. Th- thank it does. you for that. And for, for everything, is there anything else, Emma, that you had to know tonight? <laughs> I don't think so. I, I'm i really excited to see where you go in your relationships, but also where your nonprofit goes. I just, I feel like 2021 is, there's so many things lined up for you and I'm really excited to see where it goes. And so thank you again for coming on and sharing and disclosing everything you did. It's just, it's amazing and we and, and you're always welcome back on the show so we hope we hope we get an update next year yes yeah. or this year whatever year it is <laughs> yeah all right well yeah thank you all for having me and i just appreciate you making space for something positive for positive people and shit just let me talk through this because i don't i really get to talk about this much so <laughs> yeah it's nice always 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 happy to do it it's our pleasure like we've said before, thank you so much for being here for all the work you do. Links are in the show notes for everything you do and how to reach out to Courtney. And we hope to have you back on soon and and get an update on where everything is. Yeah. Thank you. Have a good night. And we're back. Take take 55. (laughs) (laughs) You're not innocent either. I didn't say I was. When did I, when did I place any blame on you for this? That's true. We're we're, uh, falling apart tonight. Um, Thank you so much, Courtney, for coming on the show and sharing your personal story with us. It was amazing to talk. And yeah, just thank you so much. Also, 
go check out Something Positive for Positive People. Links in the show notes and just go look at the amazing work that he's been doing. And he also has a podcast. Go listen. Yeah. Uh, we did mention in the beginning, we call that sometimes the intro. <laughs> we are a mess. Uh, anyway, our Patreon. So really quick, we're just going to run over what that is. Uh, Patreon is a website that allows content creators to basically build communities, or at least that's what we use it for, is to build a community around the show. And we're hanging out around 150 members right now. It's been amazing. Um, so what you get out of this is... You get a monthly Q&A or discussion group with us um, and everybody else. They're usually like 15 to 20 people on the calls. They're fantastic. We do those once a month. At the next level up, we do men's calls, women's calls. Those each usually have 15 to 20 people on them, and those are fantastic. And we have an ongoing, basically, chat room uh, in MeWe. And it's really just a place where everybody is there to support each other and help each other through the week and, you know, share ideas, share wins, any struggles. So it's it's pretty much just a great place to find like-minded people. And we would love to have you take a look and see if it's a good fit. If it's not, you don't have to stick around. We don't get hurt. <laughs> We've been broken up with before. It don't happen again. <laughs> you can go find links on our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com, and you can click on the Patreon button. Also, we wanted to quickly mention our virtual meet and greets. We've been doing these since like May of last year. When we get everyone to join in a big Zoom call, we do some icebreaker questions, and then we split you up into small breakout rooms where you get a talking point to meet people Then for a few minutes, then you're brought back to the main room, we scramble them and go back out into the rooms. So you get a chance to meet a lot of different people. It's a very diverse group um, for people from all sorts of backgrounds and exploring different levels of non-monogamy. So if you have any questions for us, we'd love, like, please reach out to us, but we'd also love to see you on the next meet and greet. And trust me, it's low pressure. It's a great way just to come meet some like-minded people. Um, February 20th is our next one. That's a Saturday, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. Again, these are $10 to join and you can just click on the meet and greet tab on our website to sign up. And I think that's it. I think so. I was totally zoned out. So I'm really, I'm really happy you uh, brought this back together. Thank you. <laughs> Bottom line, go to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com, and you can find a bunch of information and reach out to us there as well. And next week, we have an interview with Dave and Shannon. Pretty fun interview. Super fun interview. So come and listen again in a week. And actually, first off, you have this Friday, Power of Witness. Oh, and, and download that movie this weekend. Download the movie this weekend, Romantic, Romantic Chorus. Links in the show notes. And we'll see, hey, we'll see you guys on Sunday. On Sunday at the Q&A for Romantic Chorus too. So all of that and then come back next Wednesday for our next episode. So we'll see you Sunday and then you'll hear us again on Wednesday. Yes. All right. Have a great day. Bye everyone. Thanks for listening.